Ding. Hello. <laughs> My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Hello. And Chris. Hey. And this is Talkie Talk. And we're oh all God. super awake yeah. and lively. None of us will yawn once this entire podcast. <clears throat> hey, or I or loudly drink did coffee. That sing? Did that sing? <laughs> oh, no. This is our 12th take. <laughs> we're just going to have to roll with it at this point. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about things we've been watching in a segment that we have cleverly named The Watch List. <laughs> it's not that clever because there's technically... Well, no, there are. I guess there are multiple lists. I type watch list into a document and it's like, this this word's misspelled. And I go, add to dictionary. Fuck you. We are we are the, the popular force. Everyone's going to... We're going to be in Webster's Dictionary in a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I Googled this morning... Hey, Chris, did you get up? <laughs> you Googled that instead of texting it to me? Yes. That's why it took well, you a while to hear from him. And then I, well, yeah, then I just called you. Yeah. I'm going to use this phone in its most basic function. What was the answer? What did Google say? I didn't actually hit Google. I just oh. typed it in the search bar. Bummer. I want to know if Chris is awake. Anyway. The answer was no. Yeah, no, I was definitely asleep. <laughs> I should have just clicked, are you feeling lucky? <laughs> All right, what are we doing? Let's ask you two questions. Um, I think we're doing the watch Wait, list. If you, if, you, <laughs> if you Google, hey, Chris, you up? <laughs> the third result is... Is it a movie? Hey, Chris, oh. what's up? What do you want to know about S&M bikes? Ooh. <laughs> Wait. Wait. Yeah, I was like, S&M. That's bikes? That's a sex thing? <laughs> yeah. Is it the company has the initialism S&M, or is it... Bikes that slap you when you ride them. <laughs> is it an ampersand or the letter N? A- ampersand. <laughs> <an> ampersand. <laughs> uh, Show me these fuck bikes, Brent. <laughs> Sadly, I think these are. This is just a poorly. You can check out Brent's fuck bikes in the show. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Sam and Michael's bikes needs to rename. Unless that's like their whole like zhuzh. They just like S and M. What? I don't know. Just make noises. <laughs> I make noises and we record them. Their whole <laughs> Their whole woo. <laughs> that was like Adam's here now. Their whole be whip. <laughs> Sorry, you guys have boring vocabularies. <laughs> Ain't Chris, put, the language expert. Ain't putting up what I'm putting down. <laughs> By the way, this is the sound of a beer at 10 in the morning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That'll make you feel good. Uh, so, what are right. we doing? Oh, okay, let me go. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me leave here. Let, let me, me leave this place. <laughs> Please let me go. Yeah. Um, I watched a couple of things. The uh, main one I'm super excited about is uh, Amazon original TV show uh, called Undone. Undone. It's a animated show that's uh, got really good reviews. I didn't know that until I started watching it. I kind of put it on late as I was falling asleep one night. Um, it's one of the best things I've seen on television in recent years. Nice. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Tell, tell, what's it about? So it's about this girl who has some mental uh, issues. She's worried she might be schizophrenic at some point because she has like relatives that were schizophrenic. But she's at least depressed. Okay. 
Uh, her dad, played by Bob Odenkirk, nice. died when she was a kid. Bummer. Um, and his now visiting her, either as a time traveler or a ghost or not at all, telling her to help him find out who killed him, even though it's thought to be an accident by everybody, uh, by using time travel. He's teaching her how to time travel. Okay. The time travel is very uh, interesting way to to do time travel. It's more like a she goes she goes to points in history, but there's not like a way she does it. She just kind of does it. Yeah. Kind of like a what was the movie with Donald Gleason and about time? Yeah, kind of that kind of time travel where like if they just think real hard, they can do it. Right. Uh, the reason she can is a little ambiguous. She was in a car wreck, which she had like a, a fit. And yeah. since then, she was in a coma for a few days. And since then, she has the ability to do it. She thinks, anyway. But the thing is, she th- the character of the first episode also thinks she's crazy, so you're not real sure if this is just like a... Right. If it's a real thing or not. Yeah. I thought you meant she had a Honda Fit, and I was trying to figure out how that was relevant. Uh, but, yeah, it's super relevant, but... <laughs> spoiler alerts. Well, They're people, actually all time machines. Nobody some people me. travel through time in DeLorean, some people in a Honda Fit. <laughs> uh... It's played by the lead is Rosa Salazar. Do you know who that is? It's from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. E. Nope. No. That's her character's name is Rosa. Uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, no, but her big thing was last year when she played the title character in Alita Battle Angel. Oh. And it's oh, the same girl, kind of yeah. and it's the same kind of animation, sort of. Okay. <clears throat> um. Really fucking good though. Bob Odenkirk's great. She's great. The mom is. The mother from the George Lopez show. I don't remember her name. But I always liked her on that shitty sitcom. What a deep cut. I don't think I've thought about the George Lopez show in a long time. It used to come on at like, like, when I had a job where I went to work at 11. Yeah. I would stay up late and sitcoms would be on the TV. Yeah. Which is, that's their prime demographic for George Lopez shows. (laughs) 2019 at midnight on TBS. That time of day where where the, the TV guide says like, King of the Hill, King of the Hill, Roseanne, Roseanne, Frasier, Frasier, where it's always a sitcom and two of them. Right. It's that time of day where you, you've you probably used up all the good ideas you can muster for the day, so what are you going to do? Change the channel? Uh, all, all of the links on Reddit are purple now. You've clipped them all. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing, internet's not generating anything new for you. You're going to watch whatever we show, <laughs> <laughs> so now's a good time for us to justify having the syndication rights to George Lopez. She also is in a bird box. She's the girl of the couple that steals the car and leaves in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, <clears throat> but can't recommend it enough. Eight episodes in the first season, 22 to 30 minute episodes. So it's essentially a really long movie. Cool. Um, super fucking fun. And the animation is very, like, a more standard arcly than Battle Angel looked. But that kind of animation. Because the graphics are crazy if they did a live action. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's all I'm going to talk about for my watch list. Okay. Mysterious. I watched a, a movie that I'm going to save for a main topic in the future. Oh. Um, just because it ties in. Uh, oh, really? Whenever we do the Revenge podcast, I'll watch Dust on Your Grave, oh. the original. Um, very, very similar in plot. Cool. So, cool. I'll talk about it then. Chris, what you been watching? I got two things I want to talk about. Uh, the first one is <clears throat> a movie that I know that TJ also watched, um, and I don't think we talked about it yet. Uh, but I watched The Dead Don't Die. 
Oh. The Jim Jarmusch uh, zombie film. Mm -hmm. I watched it. Um, Thanks for remembering me. Remember Jim Jarmusch. Uh, It is a a really interesting movie. Are are you aware of this movie? Yeah. Okay. Bill Uh, Murray... Yeah. yeah, Adam Driver. Bill Murray and Adam Driver play cops in a small town while a zombie apocalypse kind of slowly unfolds. Um, I don't know if I like it or not. Liked it or not. Super fucking weird. Yeah. <clears throat> Intentionally so. I mean, Jim... There, there is a breaking of the fourth wall, or I think at the time I called it breaking of the fifth wall because it's telling other characters in the movie that, that they're in a movie... Um, <clears throat> that happens that I think is probably the best writing of any of the movie. Um, Adam Driver and Bill Murray, and I don't have to say their characters, but Adam Driver and Bill Murray kind of breaking down that like, oh, the reason why this song is on all the time is, <laughs> is, is, be- is because it's the theme song to the movie. Every goddamn time. It's not talking talk unless there's a cat fly by. cat <laughs> fly all right, go ahead, Chris. Anyway, You're actually I'm talking sorry. about something that I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, but I, I call it the Breaking the Fifth Wall because the character's talking in in fiction about the fact that they're in a movie. Um, so the, them saying, Bill Murray's like, what is with this fucking song coming on? And Adam Driver just deadpan like, well, it's a theme song to the movie. And he's like, what movie? He's like, the movie we're in. Yeah. And it's just, it's weird shit like that. And then them breaking down that like, Adam Driver's like got these bad omens, and Bill Murray finally gets him to say why. He's like, "Oh, because I read the whole script," and that is like the penultimate scene in the movie. So, yeah. I'm not to mention there are 20 minute segments of the film that I'm not I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be looking for or at. Yeah, there's a scene where Selena Gomez is coming through town and is looking for a hotel. Yeah, and literally. Nothing happens. Yeah, I, and with that kind of stuff, I feel like it is Jim Jarmusch uh, paying homage to another filmmaker and to like the zombie movie trope and just wanting to do his spin on it, his take, his his attempt at that. The group of young, sexy kids roll through a podunk town and interact with the wrong sorts of people, and then he has these characters that exist in his movie, so he just does away with them. But that that's what I assume is, is happening. Because there's no development that happens for Adam Driver when he gets to deliver his cool joke jokes about how he loves Mexicans. They um, are his favorite people. They are his favorite people. They're proud people. Um, yeah, I just... I don't know. The the movie definitely didn't do it for me. Uh, no. In a, in a fun way. No. Yeah. And I feel a little cheated. Yeah. Because the zombie aspect of that film also didn't need to exist. Right. To convey what, if, if, if what you're saying is true, there's no need for the zombie, uh, like, vehicle to right. drive that. You no, know what I mean? I, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's, it, it is interesting to me when I break down what I love about a Jim Jarmusch movie and... Typically, it is the people and the conversations and their deadpan reaction to absurd <coughs> statements or situations. And I feel like this movie had all of the ingredients 
that could have made it a good Jim Jarmusch movie, but they just didn't execute on any of them. The, the, like the interpersonal absurdity and reactions to each other saying wild shit, like Bill Murray surprise being your waiter at a diner, like that stuff is completely absent from the film. Right. And you get a little bit of it in the Tilda Swinton character, I feel like. Yeah, but she she's by herself so much. Yeah, it's weird, but she does play a Scottish person or an alien, the two most likely things that Tilda Swinton is in real life. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I just love when describing anyone, if you build a list, the one of them being the obvious one, and then just end your list with like, and one of those things is true. It's like the most misleading but still correct thing to say about somebody. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just it's 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 a strange movie. I don't I didn't hate it, um, but I don't think that it is possible to be loved. Um, it's just so. I agree. It's it's challenging in a way that it shouldn't be, and uh, I think that if they would have focused on the parts that were like kind of pithy and enjoyable, that it would have been better. Like I love the Hermit Bob stuff just because it was just like it's that 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 shit where it's just so weird. Played by Tom Waits. Yeah, he's just like lurking around the outskirts of town with his binoculars, and he like narrates over top of what he's looking at, just describing people and like if they deserve what's coming to them and stuff. And it's just like that's what I, I think of. When I think of Jim Jarmusch. And maybe like I think of the like, hey Bill, yeah, what, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's a Jim Jarmusch. I and think then of. runs behind a tree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's all I'll say about Dead Don't Die. Uh, check it out. Uh, but this. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is it is a missable movie. If you've seen some Jim Jarmusch and you're like, I'm interested, that's who I'd recommend it to. Yeah, I don't if you've I've ever seen a Jim Jarmusch movie, you saw Down by Law. I was sick or something for that episode, so oh. I did not. Uh, you never see coffee and cigarettes. Mm-mm. Well, you should watch some Jim Jarmusch. Those movies, those two the are experience. Good. Yeah, I've heard he did Dead Man, right? So Johnny. The Johnny Depp movie? I, I'm not positive. Okay. Um, the one that came out that got really good reviews that Chris talked about a couple years ago on the podcast was... Uh, Patterson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I still recommend Patterson. It's a, It was Amazon Prime produ- Amazon produced, so Did it's you, just going to be on there forever. You didn't see Broken Flowers? The mm. Bill Murray movie? Nope. Hmm. Alright. The other thing that I uh, ingested media-wise is I broke out the old nin- Nintendo... And uh, downloaded uh, the new the remake of Link's Awakening. Um, it was a game that originally was only on Game Boy, and so had been remastered a couple times, but never really redone. So they you know updated the graphics and they'd you know translated it better, but <clears throat> never really an overhaul of the game system, which is really important if you think just logistically. The Game Boy, you have four directional buttons and you've got two face buttons. And that's really all you have. So you have your B button, your A button, that's it. And like Zelda games as we know them now are about like getting an inventory full of shit and having a bunch of tools that kind of solve um, their own discrete scenarios. Like, you know, a hook shot gets you from here to there. Uh, but then when you start getting a lot of them and using them in conjunction, like boots that make you dash plus a thing that makes you jump if you use them together, now you've got a long jump as opposed to just your short, like, one-tile hop. Makes sense. So on the Game Boy, it was irritating because you'd have to go into the menu and swap it out. Even your sword. You didn't have a dedicated swing my sword button. It was all just dedicated to the tools you had. So 
updating it and giving you more of the controller to use is really smart for that. Um, and it, uh, it's just, it's just a fun game. I feel like it's a, it's a Zelda game that a lot of people probably didn't play because it was only on the Game Boy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm having a good time with it so far. Where does it rank on the, like, puzzle verse button smasher aspect of Zelda games? Uh, it's definitely more on the puzzly side. Um, than the, like, just go kill bad guys side. Um. For Zelda, specifically? Yeah. Okay. It's... It is a little... It's pretty non-linear. Like, you just kind of start and it says, like, oh, you had a sword. It's down on the beach. You get the sword. And that's not an issue. But then after you clear the first dungeon, you run into town and there are kids who are screaming. They say, like, Moblins took... There are chain chomps in this game, too, which is weird. This game has, has weird crossovers with the really? Mario universe. Neat. Um, apparently... So, like, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> Except... <laughs> no, go on. I understand video games, <laughs> but from what I understand, the, the for the making of this game, there was just a like someone, the person who designed it, just put in a bunch of like Mario references, being like, "We can tie in these universes," and then people weren't that soaked about it. Uh, but like Nintendo executives, I can see that though. But so there's like there's a Yoshi doll you can collect. There are chain chomps in it. There's 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 parts where when you go down a flight of stairs. You don't go into another, like, flat, isometric view dungeon. You do, like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles going into the sewers kind of side view, like, platformer view. That's fun. And there are Goombas. Like, actual, like, Mario oh, weird. Goombas. Um, I mean, it makes sense that people wouldn't like that, though. I mean, even though I'm talking to somebody with a literal Link tattoo. But I feel like some Zelda people are very fucking Zelda. Oh, yeah. And not other shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And just like every fandom, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Everyone everyone who cares too much just needs to relax. Sure. Right. Because um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a fun game. <clears throat> and uh, but the, the whole thing of like does it ruin the other games right no right. Like, if you like the Game Boy version go play that if you like the ones without Mario stuff there's like a dozen games right um, but the don't play the one you don't like <laughs> yeah but so the complaint about the non-linearity of it is you know you come back and there's these kids who are like hey like something happened at Bow Wow's house which is the name of the chain shop and like you you don't you you it's you don't really have a clear indication of what to do from that point forward. And so you just kind of have to figure it out. Which is kind of the way that like old school games would do. Is there is an event would happen and you just have to talk to all the people in the town and figure out what to do. And it's it's fun because I'm seeing it as like a major complaint of of people, but that's just kind of older school game design. Um Anyway, I'm having a good time with it. I don't know what's happening in the room right now. <laughs> There's karate happening, and I don't get it. <laughs> there is karate happening. Um, but that's all I've got. I, I, had, I, I did a movie and a game, and that's it. Well, I'll uh, I'll focus in just on a few things I've been... No. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Brett. Don't our, apologize for us. clumsiest talkie-talk member lady. <laughs> Stepping on the microphone, Gordon. Um, and we don't call all women lady. We there's a, there's a dog named Lady. Yeah, but and all women aren't dogs. But we just keep <laughs> digging <laughs> our hole here. I reach, I, 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 I reach to like pull myself out of this hole and just grab another shovel. Uh, so in uh, preparation for a new movie that just came out, yeah, I decided to. 
Boy. It's the best episode we've ever <laughs> done. <laughs> This would be a visual delight if we ever want to do a. What's that called? What's a what's a movie. video? A, oh yeah, it's called a movie. No. Uh, yeah. What's it called? It's like pictures, but they move real fast together. But you get the sound too. <laughs> yeah. About a, a talkie. A vodcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, Think about this. <laughs> visual podcast. <laughs> Whoa. Wait. They, what if what if we wrote it? What if we just wrote out everything we were thinking? What if instead of recording? That sounds stupid. <laughs> we, we could not even. We don't even have to record sound to it. We just make it just the video aspect, no audio. What if we just record an audio version of something with no sound? <laughs> what, if, <laughs> what if we didn't even do anything? Wait, that's pretty much what we're doing. <laughs> what, what if? What if Brent told us what he watched? Yeah, it's it's yeah. traditional. <laughs> traditional. It's fine. Yeah. You, you you couldn't be positioned better to block Thanks, my. No, I appreciate it. I really to block my ability to see the timestamps. I didn't know you were actually doing that. <laughs> you thought I was just standing up to lord over you? No, I you figured, tiny man. <laughs> I figured it out then. You dick. <laughs> All right. So what I've been watching? <laughs> the uh, better be good. <laughs> I, I decided to try to catch up on the movies of director James Gray, who just released Ad Astra. The, the new Brad Pitt movie. I've seen one movie set in space. by him. I, yeah, think, I bet we, Chris has too. We all have seen at least one. Uh, he did... We we liked his movie from a couple of years ago, The Lost City of Zed. Yeah, I like that movie. Um, I have seen that. So he's done, I think, seven movies now. Uh, his first movie is called Little Odessa. I was unable to find it, so I have not seen it. The second movie is called The Yards, and I watched it. Um, it's a movie about Mark Wahlberg. His uh, character... No. Gets, no, it's, it's not movie. about Mark Wahlberg. Sweet. Uh, it ends with Wahlberger. It's just the story of it's the Wahlberg story. <laughs> like the, the end of Mark Wahlberg's life is why he made that burger chain. <laughs> I ate there once. It's pretty good. It's a hit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like good ending to my life. It's eating at Wahlbergers. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm, I'm all right. Uh, this, Down there. This movie's about TJ. It ends at Wahlbergers, too. It's <laughs> all movie shit. Yeah, TJ's movie ends like The Sopranos, except it's at Walmart. I looked down and saw like Palm Dior because one of uh, Jim, James Gray's uh, films uh, competed at the Palm Dior, and then immediately was like Wahlberger Palm Dior. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, Wahlberg plays a uh, guy released from prison. He's trying to uh, I don't know. It's for something I don't know. Not violent that he was in prison for, and. Uh, He's coming home, he's trying to just find some work, and uh, winds up um, getting in with uh, his uncle's business. So the movie's called The Yards, it's set in like the, the train yards in uh, New York, Brooklyn, where uh, his uncle's business is they, uh, they get contracts to uh, fix rail, uh, subway cars. Um, a crazy cast. It's a deep cast, man, for a guy who's making his second movie in the Mark first... Mark Wahlberg, Joaquin Phoenix, Charlie Starin, Faye Dunaway, Ellen Bernstein, and James Caan. Yeah. Um, Six years after his debut, too, which is crazy. Well, this movie was filmed a little earlier, I think, and it didn't get released until 2000, I want to say. Okay. I think it was maybe filmed in 98. Uh, so. I assume the third movie was the same way, because there's another seven-year gap. So, uh... Sorry. Anyway, Joaquin Phoenix plays his, uh, or Charlize Theron is his cousin. There's like a weird history between Wahlberg and, 
and Theron's characters in this movie, even though they're cousins. It's a, there's some like some like sexual tension between them in a weird way. Joaquin Phoenix is her boyfriend. Um, it's kind of your typical like New York got in over my head mm. crime uh, story. Uh, it's good because it is really well acted. It's not that interesting. I've heard good things about Phoenix in this film. Joaquin Phoenix is pretty good here. Yeah, yeah, he's he, he he's pretty good. And this is a uh, filmed in '98, so this is Kansas before Gladiator. So this is. Uh, I always forget he's in that. I don't know why it just escapes. I feel like that's his first movie where it's like, oh, this guy's a good actor, right? Why is his name not Leaf anymore? <laughs> what? He used to be Leaf Phoenix. Okay. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you lie. Um, I was thinking about my reaction. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> they named their kids River and Leaf. I think so. That's that's uh that's Rivers Cuomo. His uh his sibling is called Leaf. No. <laughs> <laughs> you lie. You lie. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to catch the yards, but it's it's pretty good if you. If you're into James Gray's whole aesthetic, which is melancholy and good acting. Which, if you're into James Gray's aesthetic, means you've probably seen The Yards. <laughs> it's just true, yeah. Because he has, what, three movies that he directed? Ad Astra being one of them? Um, no, it's seventh. Se- this is his seventh movie. Okay. Um, but he did wait seven years for his next film, which you've also seen. I yeah, think. I watched it this week, which is We on the Night. I'd never seen, uh, never seen that movie either. It's uh, similar in that it is a uh, crime story, but it's kind of the other direction, which is uh, you know so often you get movies where guys like get in over their heads and keep going down a more criminal path. This was one where it uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays a club manager in Brooklyn who. It's like late 80s. What do I do with all these clubs? <laughs> Just trying to manage them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're crazy. Why is he? Never mind. He's in New York. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the question was going to be, why does he have all these clubs? I was going to start doing a deep dive into the movie that we literally just made up. All right, go ahead. Club manager in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and he's like the stereotypical manager like the you know doing coke with the customers and whatnot and just partying it up having yeah. a having a good time at the at the disco and uh his brother is Mark Wahlberg in the movie and his dad is Robert Duvall and they are both cops and so th- he is definitely the black sheep of the family and <clears throat> ultimately his brother starts a task force to investigate this guy who Hangs out in his club. And so there's that friction that starts. That of, uh, we're going to be, you know, if you can give us some information, that would be helpful. Otherwise, we're going to be, like, raiding your club soon. Right. Um, the movie, I think, has more interesting things to say about, like, family and a pull to, uh... Sounds like that's a theme with this guy's films. <laughs> yeah, get used to this. Get used to uh, feeling obligations to family in yeah. James Gray's movies. <laughs> and I was just, was just recapping the trailer of that Astra in my head. And the Lost City of Zed. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's uh, it's good. It did not get great reviews at the time, but I, I kind of liked it. All right, cool. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was really good in the movie. He has to go. He he is all over the place in this movie. Like as as far as what is demanded of him. Yeah, he's he, he he's really good. Um, this seems like a very appropriate time to interrupt Brett with a TJ's tidbit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 2006, Joaquin Phoenix was driving down a road in Hollywood. Have y'all heard this story? This is not a story yet. This drove is one his, of his famous road driving stories. <laughs> drove his car off a cliff. Fuck you. <laughs> you heard this story? No. Okay, he drove his car off a cliff. Uh, laid down, there was gasoline pouring into the car. He heard a man tap on the window of his car and say, like, hey, you know, relax, calm down, we'll get you out of here. And, uh, he said, I am fine. I am relaxed. He tried to light a cigarette in the car with gasoline <laughs> dumping into him. And the guy was like, stop trying to light that cigarette. And he pulled the guy up the cliff, carried him up to the road. And then uh, when he got up there, Joaquin Phoenix realized it was Werner Herzog. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> he tried to express gratitude and Herzog said, there was no heroism here. Got in his car and drove home. <laughs> <laughs> there was no heroism here. <laughs> You saw, you saw nothing. There was, yeah. there was no heroism here. I wonder if that was the hardest thing Werner Herzog ever had to do in his life was stop him from lighting that cigarette. Because <laughs> he was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, please don't do that. You will, you will kill us both. <laughs> I wonder if his, there's, there's no heroism here is just reflective of that it wasn't being recorded. <laughs> that like he wasn't able to voice over it. Because <laughs> if he was, he'd be like, and then a man from nowhere. <laughs> Man, that is a hell of a story. <laughs> That's TJ's tidbits. That's fantastic. I, I feel like this is one that, that Joaquin Phoenix is like the secret, like dark version of Bill Murray stories. Where like <laughs> <laughs> there are hundreds of things that involve Joaquin Phoenix that you hear and you're just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Bill Murray played Ultimate Frisbee with some Yale kids in the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, Joaquin Phoenix helped a man dig a grave for his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I believe it, I just don't know. He's, he walks up to people at an Arby's, poisons their fries, and says, everyone will believe you. <laughs> God, that's horrifying. I would totally eat those fries. <laughs> They're Arby's fries. <laughs> You want to some Arby's sauce? Walking Phoenix walks up to a table at Arby's, pulls a whole unchewed curly fry out of his mouth, <laughs> places it into their bucket of fries, and says, Everyone will believe you. Everyone will believe you. <laughs> uh, anyway. From the ashes, I birthed like the Phoenix, a new curly fry. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, there was no heroism here. <laughs> there was no heroism here. Oh, anyway, we on the night. We on the night. Yeah. You liked it better than other people did. Yes, um, I think Phoenix is great. I think Robert Duvall is really good. Um, I always like Robert Duvall in pretty much everything, so I recommend it. This is back before people. This is back before directors quite knew what to do with Mark Wahlberg. So there was like. Mark Wahlberg can be the boring regular character. He's like, hey, Mark Wahlberg, take your shirt off. Now act. <laughs> I feel like for a while they were just using him as like, we think people still think you're sexy. What's crazy is he was so good in Boogie Nights, which yeah. was, uh, you know, 
And, and I feel like Hollywood didn't quite know what to do with Wahlberg still for another ten years after after Boogie Nights. Also very, like, it was a weird line in Boogie Nights of, did he have a lot to do or nothing to do in that movie? He played it pretty deadpan, kind of, yeah. for a lot of it. You know? Yeah. Well, it helped that his character was a dope, like an, like like an, an idiot. idiot. Yeah. So. He's been good in in-movies, though. He was mm-hmm. good in, uh, what was the other David O. Russell movie he was in? Three Kings. He's good in that, with George Clooney and Ice Cube. Oh, wow. Wait. I'm just realizing that's not an Oliver Stone movie. Is it not an Oliver Stone movie? It's David Russell. Huh. All right. Um, David O. Russell. <clears throat> Watch another James Gray movie after that. Cool. It's called Two Lovers. Two Lovers. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> cool. This doubled up. Not only did this prepare me for Ad Astra, but I feel like this also did, was like prep work for the Joker. Or Joker. Yeah. Um, so, uh... Two Lovers is a different type of movie. It's not a crime movie. It's James Gray departing from crime movies to uh, do a romance. But of course, it's a James Gray romance, so it can't all be that fun. Right. It's going to be melancholy and sad. A romance between cousins. <laughs> so in this one, his uh, once again, he gets a famous actress to play his mom. It's uh, Isabella Rossellini playing Joaquin Phoenix's mom. She's really good. Uh, Phoenix is fantastic in this movie so he is set up he's he is a a depressed uh 20 something with uh who at the beginning of the movie tries to kill himself or at least begins the act of like jumping in a of the hudson river or something and uh changes his mind he's tried a few times but uh his parents set him up with the daughter of a businessman they're trying to go into business with. So something helpful for the family would be for him to start dating this girl. Okay. At the same time, he meets Gwyneth Paltrow, who is in his building, and she's kind of a mysterious, alluring, very different from the, the type of girl he's being set up with. Right. Um, both of them are very beautiful. The other girl's gorgeous, but uh, he... Kind of finds himself just taken with Gwyneth Paltrow and obsessing over her and uh, spends a lot of time with her. And so it's uh, kind of about him falling in love with two women at once. Two lovers. Two lovers. Adequately named movie. And hey, uh, get Yeah, it. you get it. And, uh, but it winds up being more of the, the same. Back to... There's that heavy element of his... Um, obligation to his family like he feels family pressure to pick the one girl mm. and he feels like he's letting his family down if he tries to go after Gwyneth Paltrow who's she's kind of got like a train wreck story like she's she's the mistress to a big Manhattan logger who's hoping he'll leave his wife and so it's uh played by Mark Wahlberg <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so this is the this finishes the Joaquin Phoenix trilogy <laughs> For James Gray, but this was my favorite movie of his. It was really it does, good. It does not, however. Oh, is he in the immigrant? The immigrant. Okay, sorry, Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Renner, and Joaquin. Phoenix. Okay, I was taking a shot that he wasn't in the immigrant, but it turns out he is. Of course, he is. Um, yeah, but again, this is probably my favorite James Gray movie to this point. It's uh, really well done, really well acted. It's just kind of melancholy, so it's not a fun movie. Sounds like none of these are, though. No. 
um, and that doesn't really end. So I watched those three. Uh, the Immigrant wasn't available, and I've having seen Lost City of Zed within the past fairly, couple years. Yeah, I, I, I didn't rewatch it. So then I went to see Ad Astra. How was that? Ad Astra is. At 36 minutes and 37 seconds. Yeah, that's when I'm going to talk about it. Um, Ad Astra is really good. Um, it is uh, probably his... It's up there with Lost City as his prettiest movie. Just because he got the cinematographer from Gravity. That guy knows how to shoot space. Yeah. Um... It's really well done. It, it kind of is, if you've seen all these other movies, Ad Astra's kind of like a greatest hits package, uh, but it, like a refined, so it's like, it hits on all the themes that James Gray has hit on so many times. It doesn't necessarily do the themes any better, but it does them as well as he's ever done them. And uh, Brad Pitt is an excellent actor. He's yeah. really good in the movie. I think people going for a space adventure are going to be pretty disappointed Although there are some adventurous parts, there's some. Uh, I should have mentioned on We on the Night that it has a really good car chase scene, and Gray kind of revisits that at one point in Ad Astro, which is which is really cool. Is that a space shuttle chase? <laughs> that would be <laughs> <laughs> a real slow movie. Space shuttle chase. Yeah, he finally catches up to his dad's whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I'm guessing you know the basic plot, which is he is uh, tasked with going to Mars. Which is the closest station we have at this point in time in the future, where they could potentially reach, like, get in contact with his dad's um, mission, which um, was years earlier, and he's like out near Neptune. So they they're trying to send him to Mars to deliver a a message to his dad to try to get in contact with his dad to try to figure out what's happening because there are sonic surges. Uh, affecting the power here on Earth. And so, that's like the basic, uh, the bones of the the plot. And uh, it winds up being kind of just about his his journey, because it's uh, sort of told in like different stops. So it's like, he goes to the moon, there's some stuff on the moon. Right. And the stuff on the moon doesn't really have to do with anything else. But that happens, and then he goes to you know, he's on his way to Mars. and So it's kind of like a little, I wouldn't call it a video game movie because it's not like fun that way, but it's like a stages right. of the movie. Um, where one thing doesn't really, it all just affects him. It doesn't really affect, no characters are affected by any other characters. It's, uh, it winds up being very much about, you know, his obligation to, uh, or obligation to family, kind of from his father's perspective, Tommy Lee Jones, and then uh, obligation to his drive to do something good for mankind. But it's... I would compare it uh, structurally to Apocalypse Now. Huh. Fun. But <clears throat> it's good. It's, uh, you know... I, I, I fall a little short of the, the people calling it a masterpiece, but maybe it's just because it's a little... It's a little too melancholy for me. It's, it's there are some scenes that are breathtaking though. Man, you talked about the cinematography, but Emmanuel Lebesky. Oh, yeah, he's great. Holy Schindler's shit. List, right? Is that that same guy? Fuck, no, not no. Schindler's List. Um, really, his big one 
where he started getting awards was Sleepy Hollow, which is shot really well. Um, so after Sleepy Hollow, E2 Mama, uh, The New World, Children of Men. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, that's right. The Tree of Life, uh, Gravity, Birdman, The Revenant. Okay. Like, he's, uh, Interview 2 is like personal cinematographer. This is going to be one of the best looking movies you've seen this year. Yeah, yeah, not surprising. Look at that guy's filmography. Um, I think Children of Men might be one of the a, best. A perfect. Yeah. I did that the with cat. My mind. The cat disagrees. <laughs> I don't even know what that it was. It knocked your trophy off the wall. Bow two. One of our trivia trophies fell off. The oh. shelf. So I don't anyway, care about those. Anyway, I win thousands of dollars. <laughs> Take that, Chris. Yeah, this out. I do recommend Ad Astra. <laughs> it's it's a good movie. It's just that I yeah, wouldn't, I I wouldn't recommend a full night. week of James Gray movies. Yeah, it sounds like a bummer. Which, by the way, I also tried to look at like another fun TJ tidbit to jump in when we were talking about Walking Phoenix. But Walking Phoenix, man, don't read about his life. It's real sad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the best thing about Ad Astra is that well, not the best thing. It's far from the best thing about Ad Astra. But there's a random Walking uh, Phoenix cameo. <laughs> He plays the moon. That would have been amazing. Uh, no, it's uh, Natasha Leon just shows up out of. Nice. I've like, read that for like read twenty that. seconds. Oh, yeah. Like it's not a. I, I wouldn't have spoiled it if it was like a cool cameo. Instead, it's just like they just got her to play this role, this like meaningless part. It was really weird. <laughs> but Maybe every, every time I see her, I'm just like, hey, I like her. Ruth Negan's in the movie. Yeah, sure. She's pretty good. Donald Sutherland's in the movie. He's pretty good. It's such a weird. Uh, this the 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 plot and the casting of the movie, not the casting, but the plot specifically, has been behind the curtain for so long that I like hearing this because you're explaining the plot to me, and it's exactly what the trailer explains to you. He's an astronaut who's got to go find his dad who went on a mission years earlier, mm-hmm. and that's all. But that there's more movie than that. Is still has me intrigued. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. So, uh, just Oscar news. Brad Pitt is getting a lot of love in both acting categories. He's eligible for lead for Ad Astra and supporting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Assuming you can only put his name on one ballot right now, which one do you think he's? Would you end up putting him on? Be more likely to end up putting him on. Uh, I'm more likely to vote for him. F- even though it's sometimes a tougher category to separate yourself from the pack from, but I think supporting for Hollywood, yeah, he's very good in this movie. He's very good in both movies. I like seeing Brad Pitt have fun. I think he's really good at that, and he does not have fun in Ad Astra. No. Well, from the looks of the trailer, they like him for this mission because he doesn't. Right. From what I've gathered. Because he'll be able to... He's very calm and collected. ...be able to separate himself emotionally from the fact that it's his father and not just a rogue astronaut. Right. Yeah. It it is interesting, though, that with the title Ad Astra, is they they remove the part of the famous quote that is the Through Hardships translation. And just leave it... To the stars, right? Yeah, Through Hardships to the stars. And so, so they remove that, and then it sounds like the movie's all about, like, personal struggle. (laughs) <laughs> and not about the difficulty of getting to the stars. It is the name of our like scheduling software at work. So let's assume it's about somebody trying to reserve conference rooms. 
<sighs> anyway, that's all I'm going to talk about. It's not all you're going to talk about, because it's time for... Reality Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad, even though Chris has been watching the challenge. But he just stopped talking about it. I stopped talking about it. You idiots wouldn't watch it with me, so... I did. <laughs> you, you watch one one season. Yeah. Not week to week. I got caught up and didn't watch it week to week. Yeah. But that was... It was horrible. <laughs> five seasons ago? Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I know. But David stopped showing up to watch lists. Uh, so that's true. <laughs> my buddy to talk challenge about... By the way, for the people out there, I'm talking to you, Katie, this season of the challenge is pretty good. Tess is watching the challenge now. Maybe we should at, get her on the podcast instead y- of you. <laughs> your, <laughs> your request. And uh, she's enjoying She's enjoying it. Hmm, she's got good taste. Cool. I might watch this season. It does sound... I've, I've caught a couple episodes with Cass. It looks yeah. a little better than past seasons. It's more old school, like the way that people used to think that like real world road rules challenge would be... Like, it was cast versus cast. Right. And that's the way that this is. It's one big team versus one big team. I love the old show. But, man, is it different. Yeah, it's very different. Early 10s, 2000s. It's funny because it's it's, it's it's swinging with the pendulum where, like, it started out as, like, a kind of, like, where the competition element was secondary to the, um, like, here's our cast of everyone's favorite characters. Mm-hmm. To then it swung hard into the... Uh, like, oh, we're just going to have a reality show to manufacture drama. And now it's going back to, like, the people on the show are not fucking around. Like, they train for, like, months. Like, they they build, like, courses in their backyards so that right. they can get ready for the challenges they have to do. They're fucking fit folks. Yeah, they, like, make sure that they, like, watch previous seasons and pay attention to people's, like, big moves that they made. Um, so... What's the overall price? Uh, I think this year, I think it's a million dollars. Okay. Sometimes split, sometimes not. They do which with Right. Yeah. And I think that it's been it's been higher. It's been lower. Been lower. Um, but it's a million dollars. And it's going to be split between the remaining team of four from either the U.S. or U.K. because they whittle each other down. Cool. Throughout the season. But it's a good one. Speaking of giving away a million dollar show winner, Survivor started back. Season thirty nine. Island of the Idols. Island of the Idols. Island of the weird-looking, scary statues. <laughs> when she was like, I saw those statues, and I was like, it's Sandra and Boston Rob. I was like, bullshit. Uh, you didn't know. You didn't realize, especially Sandra. Boston Rob, maybe. But, no, Sandra one just looks like a generic like woman. Yeah. How'd you like the first episode? I liked it. It was pretty good for a first episode. <laughs> yes, I agree. It was pretty good for a first episode. Um, my least favorite character went home. Yeah, I always like that. That's rare for the first episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some highlights too. One of the highlights I was kind of shocked about was uh, I enjoyed Robin Sandra. Yeah. Yeah, I was worried they would be a little cloying, um, but if if their role is as um. Detached as it was from the first episode, then I think that it is a fun element. Yes. And that they get to watch travel. I love the little spy shack. <laughs> as soon as they walked in there and they sat down and they showed that they had like the grainy camera, which they could get a better camera in there. Like, let's not fucking kid ourselves. Right. But when they sat in there, I was, I was just so giddy 
And I was hoping that they also had like a little tube that they could look down at what, who was writing down what name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From their dumb little spy shack. Yeah. This when the episode started when they started voting, uh, I asked Cass, I "Was like, do they always walk up a flight of stairs to vote?" Yeah. She doesn't think they. Sometimes it's a ramp. Sometimes it's flat. Sometimes it's stairs. I've okay. seen it. Okay. But they definitely go. They, they definitely go up and away for all the seasons that I've watched. Huh. I thought one time it was like on a. This is a stupid conversation. I've. No. We need, we need to figure out the. I think last year it was on like a gazebo type thing that was like maybe a couple steps up from the ground level, mm-hmm. like two steps. Yeah. I think I think they always want to be able to get the shot of the person writing the name down with the cast in the background. Right, and they couldn't do that this week. That's what I'm saying. Oh. They were like behind the spy shack. Oh. Maybe they do that to try and obscure the Robin Sander thing. Because that the cat's going to be out of the bag eventually. Like next week. Like, probably. it's it's going to be silly for... Well, I think that we need to have two people on the same tribe who've done the Island of the Idols. Uh, sure, we'll take the same tribe members. Um, so... It, it'll be interesting next week. I'm already jumping ahead to next week, but it'll be interesting next week if someone from that same tribe goes. Oh, no, they can't because she already picked the person who's going. From the other tribe. Yeah. From the other tribe. So so I think it's going to work a little differently from episode to episode. Sometimes it's going to be a random pick. Maybe sometimes the tribe will select someone to go. Maybe sometimes it'll be from the team that loses immunity. Maybe from the team that wins immunity. Yeah. Maybe Robin Sandra will pick someone. Very possible. I have a strong... <clears throat> if their job is to be Survivor Boot Camp, which I'm not convinced that's their whole responsibility, I imagine that there's going to be a moment where Rob and Sandra are like, we need to talk to that person. Like, like they're, 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 they're playing a bad game. Yeah, I hope there's a moment where they're like, oh, I have my, my um, I group of people I trust. Alliance. Alliance. Yes, Alliance. And they're like, these like five people, and they go to Rob and Sandra, and Rob and Sandra are like, that's yeah. not your alliance. Yeah. That's not an alliance for you. Because I feel like sometimes it's super easy to see. We're all like, you're obviously on the outs. You're at the bottom of this group of six. You mm-hmm. shouldn't break away from that as soon as you can. And people don't see it. They just see like safety in the alliance. Right. Rob had my favorite quote of the show, though, for sure. Even better than the one of Sanders at the end, which was also really good. But Rob's, as soon as he like beat the shit out of Melissa in fire making, he was just like, why'd you do that? <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> you, knew, you knew you couldn't beat me. Yeah. I've literally made hundreds of fires. Yeah, trust your gut. No, but it was like he 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 framed it in a helpful way to her, which was like, trust your gut. Your gut said don't go up against him. Your gut said you would lose. Right. He also has told her. Uh, I was talking to Kelly about this last night. And she made a good point. Like your vote might not matter. Yeah, and it didn't. And it didn't. Right. She had so in the end, she had nothing to lose. Right. She should have bargained, but you can't. You know what I mean. Man, yeah, I, I, it's it is a hard bargain to push though. Yeah, because and I think I think it's a good job with the with the editors and producers. Now, the storyline for this episode was that it was breaking down that the math was hard for either side to feel comfortable, and that and that the actual swing is going to be this person who is keeping it a secret that they don't have a vote. Right, so whoever's relying on her to be the sixth in a six-four vote split is fucked. Right, but that ended up not being what was happening on the island. Not even close. Yeah. They tried to make it, but I yeah, that work. But I, but I thought it was a good job by the editors yeah, yeah, to, build yeah. that, to build that tension in what I think otherwise is probably 
not a very tense first few days for that tribe. I was pretty confident that episode Ronnie was going home the whole time. Yeah, I was. I was. I wasn't confident, but I was. I was not surprised that he. Well, not the whole episode, but after. Right. You know his yeah. I, after I, that group got together, they seemed like they were true, and when Ronnie started fucking shit up, I was like, oh, he's done. Yeah, I think my. My pick not to win, but my pick for favorite human on this season is Tom. Love Tom. The, Tom's great. The big old whiskey barrel of a human being. Yeah. <laughs> Captain in the NHL for twelve years. Yeah. He's a big time hockey player. I look when I looked his last name up, it was a name I recognized. But uh Yeah, it was good. It was a good episode. Good good start to the season. We'll see where it goes. The castle is good, which is I think the number one thing. Mm-hmm. To make a season of Survivor good, yeah. and uh, I'm happy with the cast. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see more uh, how the drama shakes out with the other tribe. Uh, I feel like I feel like the for previous seasons they've done a like a six day stretch for the first episode and done like a two hour premiere, and this time it was only an hour and a half long and just the uh, uh, or an hour long. I forget if it was an hour. It was nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. hour and a half, and it was just the the one three day stretch. It was it was interesting, and you already cut out all of the Jeff stuff from the intro, and the explaining the theme. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, Hopefully, that means something that Brent was telling me about, or voicing his opinion on to me uh, a few days ago that the other tribe loses, and that there's a lot of more like back and forth and who loses. Tribe. Uh, I was saying that's what I hope happens. I yeah. hope the other tribe loses some so that we can see both. Like I feel like good seasons, they're not good necessarily because the tribes are more competitive, but they're good because you get a better feel for all the players right. early. Right, and I'm saying that this could lead to that, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why they didn't feel like they needed to spend too much time on that tribe in the week one. The one, the one negative to this episode was not enough Jeff Probst. I need more Jeff yeah. Probst. Yeah, he was like not in it. Yeah. I look forward to Jeff Probst just fucking chewing through that opening of every season. It's like... Welcome to Survivor 39. Yeah. The, uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I was, I was worried that the Island of the Isles would be super hacky. And it still has a chance to be, but so far, they ha- it wasn't. You week know, I week think, one was a success. I think the mechanics of it are kind of blah, whatever. But right. if it's a if it's a, an excuse to get Rob and Sandra together, I, I'm all down for it. Because we got a great feel for Sandra and like how she plays... Even though she wasn't even playing in this episode, which was she's super helpful. She's she's very nice to those around her, and then when the time comes, she does not give a shit if anybody goes home. Yeah, that is Sandra. Uh, I love that moment in the in the shack when yeah. he said, "Did you ever get this emotional?" She's like, "No, nah, fucking send them home." Yeah, yeah, I vote they go home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope that the next person he goes out of the idols. Instead of a fire-making challenge, it's like, you have to fist-fight Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, worst-case scenario, you're putting two fantastic TV characters on TV more. Yeah. That's never, like, of the worst idea. Yeah. Well, now we arrive at the section that we call Breezy. I got a little bit of Breezy. Yeah. Jordan Pill just called a rap on his third film as a director. Cool. It's the Candyman re- reboot or remake that uh, Cass, our horror movie aficionado, is super excited about. She always loved the story of Candyman. And I do, too. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, with an, an interesting backstory. Um, kind of Freddy Krueger without the dumb parts of Freddy Krueger. It always felt like to me. I mean, the mechanic of making him 
arrive in the room with you is a little silly, but yeah. the backstory on the villain is good. Yeah, I, I like the the urgent the urgent the urban legend aspect of it. Right. Yeah, me too. And um, I don't know. It's also fucking Jordan Peele after the first two movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Yeah. So that'll probably come out in 2020, but um, I'd be excited to go see it. Yeah. 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 Marvel and Sony reached a deal to keep Spider-Man in the MCU for so one was, more movie. Was anybody shocked surprising, by that? Surprising, hopefully nobody. Yeah. And it was surprising people on our Facebook group, and I was confused by that. I oh. was like, we really think that's a... Well, I, 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 I don't have a bad word to say about people who are willing to listen to our bullshit all the time. No, 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 not at all. And I'm 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 more curious, and I should go on Facebook and ask this person. Like, were you actually surprised? Because I just don't understand. Yeah, why I, not anybody. Well, I could I could I mean the negotiations reached an end point, and they they figured that when the news hit that it was done, then maybe they just assumed it was done. Yeah, if, if at some point you can have disagreements which extend beyond the literal truckloads of cash they would make if they made. Yeah, it Sony and Disney aren't in the business of literally burning money. And that's what they would be doing if neither one of them bent on the negotiations. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that if, if both studios would have made their own movie in that with that property, they both would have made a ton of fucking money anyway. But Marvel couldn't. That was the point. I mean, like Sony could still make money with Spider Man. Like right, Sony, yeah. Sony is making money probably both both ways. This turns out. Yeah, and I'm saying Disney is not. Even if that, I mean, that, that, there's no way that their negotiations cost them money. They made money by, I'm okay. sure Disney was they, the one who bent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except for attorney's fees. <laughs> God. You can fucking imagine. Yeah. Yeah, the Emmys this week. Yeah, that was going to be my piece of news. Cool. I don't have my phone up with me, but I know who the big winners are. Fleabag. Uh, yeah, Fleabag. It's apparently a show that uh, we should all watch. Brent's talked about it before. Yeah, I love the first season. Yeah. The second season is apparently even better. Um, Barry did well. Yeah, Barry did well. Uh, Game of Thrones, big winner in drama. Dinklage set a record. Yeah. Uh, everyone everyone can rejoice. Benioff and Weiss didn't win for writing or directing. So, uh, Jason Bateman won for directing, which uh, shocked Jason Bateman. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. saw his reaction. Yeah. yeah. Although... I think that Jason Bateman is the best straight man you could get for any situation. The uh, I forgot whose joke it was, but they 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 cut to uh, Jason Bateman, <laughs> and his like smile turns to like realization that the joke is about you. It was hilarious. Oh, nice. And his I don't know. He's just he's just so good. Um, it's and, fun that he won for director real quick. I just want to say because that was the whole how that show came about was they wanted him in the lead role and he said I won't do it unless you let me take control right so the fact that he did that and then is being rewarded for it is neat because I hear it is directed really well yeah and filmed down the road here and um, and the other big winner was Chernobyl Chernobyl picked up basically every award that it, that it could in the not uh, super shocking no, I do well, I still haven't seen it except yeah. for Jared Harris yeah except for Jared Harris was really bummed that he didn't win yeah I like that guy a lot um if you have actual like other highlights you want to talk about for the Emmys, I didn't mean to steal steal the thunder of the news piece. Nope, uh, you did good. Uh, the other big thing, and uh, uh, Kelly keeps getting recommended, uh, are Natasha Leone and Fred Armisen together? 
because they were sitting together and they were on a bunch of cutest couples of the Emmys. Hmm. And I thought that Fred Armisen was still married to Carrie Brownstein from uh, Portlandia and Rilo Kiley fame. Or Sleater Kinney fame. I don't think they were ever together. They were never together. I don't think they were. He Fred, used to be Fred married to uh, Elizabeth yeah. uh, Moss. Because hmm. I, I thought that like years ago. I looked it up and that worked. Okay. Um, but Natasha Leon looked great. I just googled Natasha Leon, Fred Armisen, and like the Google recommended headline. The headline for the article was Natasha Leon and Fred Armisen are doing it. <laughs> nice. So, I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Any other breezies? No, I'm good. What to watch is an easy one for this week. There's uh, one movie coming out the weekend after this post, which of course it is, because that's when you're listening to it. Uh, but it's the Walking Phoenix movie. Todd Phillips directed Joker. Yeah. It's coming out this weekend. And uh, things kind of cleared out a little bit for it. I mean, it's, it's a weird time to be coming out with Astra and then with a Brad Pitt, you know, big to-do film coming out. Followed by a movie that is slowly getting more and more and more buzz in uh, Joker. Yeah. Good time to not not be coming out. But Joker's the, maybe the first, like, uh, I was going to say non-superhero movie. I guess it's not a superhero movie, technically. But I'm really excited for it. Yeah, me too. It looks really good and, and crazy. And I'll, the beef that people have with it is only doing it favors, in my opinion. I haven't read anything. I've read some uh, like hyper-realistic violence. Oh. People bitching about it. The only thing that I read was apparently the memo that the army sent around saying that incels are going to uh, shoot up movie theaters during screenings of this. Yeah, I saw that. Which I saw it and I was like, what? What? Just what? fucking stupid. What time is this? Yeah. But I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. And it, it looks good. Yeah. And the violence I read had it compared to... Uh, Super. Oh. Okay. It's super graphic. Yeah. Alright. So go see Joker. Uh, Anybody got anything else? That's it. Alright. This is Talking Talk. Thanks for listening. Uh, You can uh, join our Facebook groups. TV by us, movies by us, games by us. You can uh, please subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcasting service that you prefer. Thank you to the Willow Walkers thank for our intro well, music. Thank, thank you to Boo Reefa for the outro music. And thank you to the listeners. Bye-bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.